I kind of had, you know, internalised all these rules in society that come from a pretty patriarchal, weight-focused kind of idea of what a woman should be. And now living in my mid-20s and realising, like, oh, you can actually do whatever you want and, like, you know, you can find people who love you for who you are and you don't have to exist in, like, this beauty standard or this idea of rules that is what, you know, we see on TV or in movies or in traditional media. Word of warning, in this interview, you are going to be witnessing fangirling because I got to interview one of my favorite Instagram influencers and fat activists, Danny Adriana. She has over 104,000 followers on Instagram and she is all about body positivity and ending toxic diet culture. I spoke to her about her Reconnect tour, which is happening later this year in October in the States. And also I spoke to her about how she has grown up in a world where she has been constantly told that she should be monitoring her food and that she should be losing weight. In the interview, I also spoke to her about two photo series that I think you guys should check out while you're listening to the interview. So if you head to her Instagram, I am Danny Adriana. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll go to five photos, which is called hashtag fat and eating. Now this photo series is all about showcasing that fat people can eat food in front of the camera because so often in the media when you see photos of food commercials or of people showing their pantries it's always skinny people that are eating the foods no matter if it's healthy or unhealthy whereas curvy people never get that. And then the other series that we also spoke about in the interview which I recommend scrolling through her page to see is the Fat and Loved series. This one resonated with me so much. It is about how Danny, as a curvy person, always thought that she then had to be with someone that was bigger than her because she felt like she couldn't be with someone smaller than her, otherwise she felt too big and too fat for them. And this really resonated with me. So I definitely recommend checking out that five-day photo series of hers called Fat and Loved. But anyway, enough with me. Here is Danny Adriana. Hi, Danny. Thank you so, so much for letting me talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. Before I start the interview, I just have to say, just so many of your posts just resonates so much with me. Just the way you articulate things. And I just have to say, it really means so much to me what you've been doing. Thanks. That's so nice. You're welcome. So what I firstly want to start you off was, what was your experience growing up in regards to body image and your weight? Was this something that you have always struggled with? Yes. As a young kid, I was always like the tallest in my class. I was always kind of like a curvier, sort of stocky sort of child. Like I probably recognized around about the age of like maybe five or six that I was like kind of bigger than other girls my age, I guess. And that kind of made me feel really insecure early on and then as I got older it definitely became like more of a focus and something that like was kind of reinforced to me by people around me but also like society as a whole so yeah I definitely was like insecure probably I definitely feel like my weight and like the size I was became more of a focus insecurity around 10 but like before that I definitely remember feeling like I was like different but I didn't really have like the vocabulary to talk about it if that makes sense Yeah, absolutely. Because at that age, when you're different, you just see that as a bad thing. It's a very confusing time. 
Yeah, definitely. So once you hit your preteens and teenage years, then what was the transition like? Because it's already such a confusing time. You know, you're growing into this new body. You get some curves added on, some boobs added on. What was that time like for you then when you'd already been struggling with your body image? It was pretty hard. Like, I joined the gym at about age 11 and got a personal trainer. So I was already, like, wanting to lose weight at that age. And obviously, like, your body hasn't fully developed. Like, you don't really know what your body's supposed to be or how it's supposed to look yet. But, like, my control and fixation kind of started around that age. Until I was about 18 was a really, really rough time. Um, Because I worked at the gym and I basically, like, lived and breathed, like, movement and exercise and restriction and just trying to like control my body in the best way I knew how which is like a really weird time because like you're in high school and you know there's so much going on so I definitely think like with my anxiety and other mental health stuff that I had going on it was just kind of a perfect storm for me to like really fixate on like the one thing I could control which was my body um, and food so um, yeah high school and my teenage years were probably like the worst time for me in terms of like my insecurity with my body. So then what made you decide to talk about your body image issues and your mental health issues on Instagram in particular with how Instagram it's so cookie cutter and people just post you know what they want people to see and majority of the people on there is you know skinny um, Instagram influencers. What made you decide to talk about your story on the social media? So when I turned like 20, I had been seeing a therapist for a couple of years and like really working on my recovery from my eating disorder. And I found that on Instagram, particularly at that time, it was really easy to find like pro eating disorder content that was like people encouraging each other not to eat and like really dark, messed up things that was really easily accessible to anybody on Instagram. And it made me really angry. And then I found the recovery community, which was really great, but really the only bodies that they showed in terms of recovery on Instagram were like really thin people who even once they had overcome their eating disorder were quite thin and I didn't really see anyone in the community that sort of looked like me or had a story like me so I decided to start like posting recovery quotes and stuff on my Instagram and then probably like a year into it I kind of found out more about body positivity now six years later it's kind of evolved into like all the work I do in terms of body confidence body positivity peer support fat activism those sort of things but it definitely was like an evolution just of learning and like me growing more into myself and into my mid-20s and just kind of finding out who I was after recovery Um, And also just realising that my story and my experience felt really relatable to other people who had also been through that in a larger body. The content that you produce for the Instagram page is just so relatable to women that are living that. I love love the way that you word that, women that are living in a bigger body, because it does feel like that. It just feels like your body is just this thing that people can just comment on and they just react differently to. One particular photo series that I extremely adore that just resonated so much for me was your fat and loved series the five-day photo Mm -hmm. series a particular quote that you wrote underneath one of the photos was so much of my life I thought as a woman I would need to date someone larger than me in height and weight I felt I had to be petite for my partner small tiny light I now know love doesn't work that way as soon as I read those words, like, you know, when you have those like poof moments in your head and you just think, sure. oh my God, I always had, I have always had those thoughts. What made you yeah. decide to do this series with your partner? I think it was part of 
part is me kind of exploring more content around how our bodies interact with other people. And also just that I kind of, growing up, especially as someone who was extremely obsessed with weight loss and had an eating disorder and just a lot of things going on, I kind of had, you know, internalized all these rules in society that come from a pretty patriarchal, weight-focused, kind of idea of what a woman should be and now living in my mid-20s and realizing like oh you can actually just do whatever you want and like you know you can find people who love you for who you are and you don't have to exist in like this beauty standard or this idea of rules that is what you know we see on tv or in movies or in traditional media so I kind of wanted to do it for that reason but also just to kind of explore what um being fat and loved means um, to me and my partner just because obviously there's a lot of like trending online where it's like if you see like a guy that's with a curvier woman or with a fat woman but it's like really celebrating like the male being like oh my god you're so great because you're not shallow and like you love her for her and you love hashtag real women and like <laughs> all of that really annoys me too because it kind of fixates on like the guy being like the hero like oh my god he loves her what a great guy it's like well no like fat people and women who are of a larger size like deserve happy healthy love that they are you know they're deserving of that of their partner but also it doesn't make their partner a fucking hero like they're normal guys and normal women or you know whether it's a same-sex relationship or a straight relationship or whatever type of relationship those people sexually identify or gender gender identify with like love is kind of something that's like a lot more uh, I suppose for me, it's definitely much more of an emotional and mental thing rather than like this pressure that we put on a couple looking like they should be together or physically looking like they they suit each other, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of stems from that sort of position of me just wanting to really kind of define what um, love is and celebrating that I am loved, but my partner is not a hero because he loves me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and no, I definitely yeah. get that. What was your partner's reaction to you coming up with the idea and then also seeing the comments that people made about the photo series? Sure. So he's a pretty chilled, relaxed dude. I mean, before we got together, I had started my Instagram and we were friends for like six years before we started dating. Um, oh, wow. So he kind of knew a little bit about my history, not as much as in depth as like when we obviously had got together. But um, he, like my Instagram came before our relationship, not as in like a priority, but it started before our relationship. <laughs> yep. So um, yeah, like he, when I told him about it, he was like, yeah, that's really cool. He's always down to help me in any way possible. So I think he was just more like, you know, this is something that you want to do. And not that he saw himself as a prop, but like he was like, yeah, like whatever your vision is, like let's execute it. Um, he's always like really, he's like an annoyingly like glass half full, like really positive, like wakes up in the morning in a good mood kind of person, which is not how I am at all. Oh, but just hate those people. Gosh. Yeah, he's just like, like anything negative, he can always find a positive in it, which is why I love him. But I'm definitely like much more of like a cynical, like negative person than he is. But he, he's always like really excited to jump in the in the comment section and see how it affects people but also he kind of realizes that even though he was part of that series like it wasn't really about him if that makes sense it was much more about like my relationship with my body and my experience being in love and being loved as a fat person um and he just loves that other people you know feel connected or can resonate with some of the messages that i've written 
Um, and he's just like happy to help, I guess. <laughs> Yes, well, he definitely is a very good Instagram husband, yes. Yes, he, he's the best Instagram husband. <laughs> yes. Does he take um, a lot of your photos on Instagram? Um, it's kind of a mix. So he takes um, a lot of my work is self-portrait, like I take myself. Um, but then again, like he does also take a mix, but then sometimes my friends do. It's kind of whoever's around and just like what kind of situation I'm in, I guess. Um, but he does take uh, probably, I'd say, like 60% of all photography stuff that's on my Instagram. He helps out with. Oh, well, that's great. That's so great that yeah. he's so supportive of you. And yes, yeah. good, very good photographer. So then another series that I wanted to talk to you about was as well, your fat and eating photo series. Sure. What made you decide to look into that? Well, as someone who's like had an eating disorder and also someone who um, enjoys food and kind of has worked on my relationship with food in the last, I'd probably say like 10 years, my, my relationship with food and how I interpret food has like really changed. So I really wanted to document that because like often it's quite popular, especially in like the health at every size or like intuitive eating kind of dietitian professional space on Instagram. There's quite a lot of um, thin white women posting like what food they eat and like enjoyment of food, which is really great that people are celebrating like healthy relationships with food and like enjoyment around food. But you don't often see larger body people eating food in media unless it's like um, like a photo of like a fat person eating a cheeseburger and it's like the war on obesity or like something that's like really fat phobic. Mm. Um, so I kind of wanted to take photos of me eating food, traditionally food that is seen as like bad or junk food, um, to kind of bring the awareness that fat people are really um, treated differently when it comes to them eating food in public. A lot of fat people have fear around eating food in public or eating food around other people in general because of the judgment and assumptions that are made by about them and their lifestyle and who they are, um, judging of what food they eat or how much they eat. Um, so I kind of just wanted to put those photos out there because it kind of draws awareness around that, but also kind of the fact that fat people should be able to enjoy and eat whatever food they want as well as thin people. There's kind of this, like, stigma that thin people can eat. Like, if a thin girl eats, like, cheeseburgers and, like, junk food that is, like, really endearing and cute and, like, oh, my God, like, look at her eating so much and she's so tiny. Isn't that funny? Whereas, like... If a fat person does the same thing, they're seen as, like, gluttonous and lazy and, like, you know, not helping themselves and all these, like, really stereotypical, like, negative kind of connotations. So I just kind of wanted to mix it up a bit and just show some more imagery around fat people eating. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Food um, to kind of create conversation around that. Yeah, I thought it was great that you did that because it is really frustrating whenever you say see an ad for, you know, McDonald's or an ice cream ad. 
it's always, you know, thin people with clear skin and they eat it and they get no food anywhere. You never see a fat person. You never see people with acne. You never see, you Mm -hmm. know, food on the face or on the shirt or double chin or anything like that. And it's very frustrating because, yeah, not everyone looks like a, you know, an airbrushed model when they eat all their meals every day. Food industry is just really hypersexualized. It's always like some mm. girl in like cut off jeans with like big boobs, like eating a hamburger, like she's like really sexually like male gazy. And it's just like really interesting that they like they integrate like the sexuality of like women in terms of food eating. It's just like really strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really messed up how they are yeah, doing all these advertising advertisements and that. Hopefully over the years they're going to um, keep up with society and um, quote-unquote wokeness, but see how we go with that. (laughs) And speaking of something very controversial in the media, I've seen on Twitter that you posted about a particular brand, uh, Weight Watchers' new app, Kerbo Health, that is aimed at helping children lose weight. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, anyone who knows you will know that it, like, enrages me in a way that is pretty horrific. But, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, Weight Watchers as a company, even though they've now rebranded to WW or whatever they've tried to be more more life-inclusive, they're kind of a company that, in my opinion, has preyed and profited off of fat people and people who have tried to lose weight or have had eating disorders, like, since the beginning of time. Look, I... It's really difficult because I'm not a parent, so I'm not someone that has a child. But as a child who was put on diets at a really young age um, and then developed an eating disorder about it, I definitely have a perspective that I think is important. I think there's nothing wrong with encouraging your children to be quote-unquote healthy, you know, for them to enjoy food and to enjoy movement and to feel happy and content in their bodies and fuel their bodies for learning and make sure that they're growing and all of those things are so great. I think the problem comes with a with an app like what Weight Watchers has produced in terms of like putting one of the things that's on the app is that they put foods in like categories of traffic light so like bad to good so like red orange and green um it kind of creates this like language around food that there's certain foods that kids should not be eating which Mm. I don't think is healthy in terms of in terms of growing up as an adult and enjoying food in all its great aspects also, what was really damaging and concerning to me is that they were showing like before and after photos of children as young as seven on their social media. That's um, just ruining me seeing that. Yeah, honestly, it was just like, what kind of dystopian hell are we living in where a seven-year-old has a before and after photo? Like, I just, if you if you really care about quote-unquote health, like, why are you marketing it this way? Um, and also, I, in my opinion, I think they're just trying, they're, the longer Weight Watchers is around, the less popular they become. And by rebranding something for children, they're creating customers for life, right? Because whether or not these children lose weight at seven, at some point in their life, they will regain weight. And who are they going to turn to? Probably Weight Watchers or a whack-minded diet company that's owned by Weight Watchers. So it's damaging on a lot of levels, but I just think the the implications for children who are on an app like that is like severely dangerous not to the point where they would just like feel bad about themselves but it creates like lasting impacts on them around food and weight and beauty but I think kids are under enough pressure like are we really going to now start giving them an app at seven to be like yeah track how much weight you lose like that's insane to me 
Yeah, it's just disgusting that already at such a young age, especially for kids nowadays that are surrounded by social media, they're shown, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to look a certain way in order to have money to be famous, whatever. They're already now shown that to be worthy, you have to be a certain size. And what I really worry about is, like, say these kids that haven't even hit pre-teen age, what are they going to think when they hit teenage ages? Because most people do gain weight when they go into puberty because they, Mm -hmm. especially, especially girls, because they're getting more in the hip more in the boobs area are they going to think oh I should be going on a diet because I'm getting more hips now because I'm going through puberty like exactly what does that teach them and I hate yeah what is your thoughts on that whole notion of a bad food I get so sick I just been it's just been drilled into my head that there are certain foods that are bad foods what are your thoughts around that in regards to how different diets have different bad foods and how confusing that must be for people? I think what that shows us is that there's actually no such thing as good and bad foods. It just is how you interpret it for your body. You know, there's always going to be some people that have certain intolerances or have certain diets, whether it be because they're diabetic or some specific reasons they need to eat certain types of fiber or certain types of nutrients more or less than other people. Um, it's like for me, for example, like I need to get my gallbladder out at the moment, like dairy is really triggering a lot of pain for me. So like I'm cutting down on dairy just because I don't want to be in pain. Does that mean I think dairy is a bad fruit? No, I love cheese. I love milk. There's so many great things about dairy. But I think labeling foods good and bad puts, there's a, there's a very close connection between good and bad in terms of like food as that, how we process that morally and how we feel that about ourselves. So if you have labeled something bad and then you eat it, there's a very strong correlation between like, I've ate a bad food, therefore I'm a bad person. Now, it may not be that black and white for a lot of people, but that's a lot about how that internalizing of like labeling foods is. I definitely am someone who loves like the intuitive eating health at every size kind of um, model, which is about like literally fueling your body with what it feels like so if you feel like you need chocolate like go and eat some chocolate like nothing's going to feel as good as eating chocolate or there's people who say like if you're hungry just eat an apple like if your body's (laughs) craving certain nutrients or certain things like nothing's going to feel as good as you eating that type of food so it's really about like intuitively not knowing that your body knows what it needs to fuel it and it's like anything, you know, if you eat a whole bunch of broccoli, you're going to be freaking sick of broccoli. If you eat a whole bunch of chocolate, you're going to probably be sick of chocolate. Like your body knows like that it needs a whole bunch of different nutrients, like and a whole bunch of different foods to feel good. But labeling foods good and bad, I don't think helps anybody because I don't think it's actually putting focus on nutrition or focus on like fueling your body with like yummy food. I think it's just like labeling things good and bad. And it usually comes from like a weight loss centric day which I don't think is very helpful to people because it kind of fixates you on something that isn't achievable long term and it doesn't actually make you feel good in the end yeah absolutely I think that's definitely something that is always missing whenever people talk about diets or food programs is that it's not something that's good on a long-term basis when you just Mm -hmm. see this certain type of food as evil and I love how you said that yes for some people it is black and white in a sense that yeah if you eat this bad food oh, I'm a bad person I'm a failure I'm never gonna lose weight and exactly yeah it's sad how it is like that even though you talk so much about fat activism and you are such an amazing body positive um, activist as well you do get some comments online by some people that say what you're doing is unhealthy you know pretty much just trolls 
Does it get exhausting having complete strangers who you've never met online, will probably never remember their name in a couple of days' time? Does it get exhausting having to deal with complete strangers wanting a fight with you on the internet? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Pure and simple, yes. I mean, I've been doing this for six years now, so it probably doesn't affect me as deeply as it used to. But there's a saying that, I mean, when it happens all day, every day, on every type of my platform on varying degrees right like I've had everything from like you're you're fat and ugly to like kill yourself like there's like there's definitely a scale of hatred that I've received Mm -hmm. um it more gets exhausting because the most people that want to like troll me or hate on me or like create negative discourse on my social media usually have like literally only just found that post that day and are dealing and probably like angry and dealing with something and like are just spewing something onto me that they think and like they go on and live their lives and like never think about it again Mm. Um, but then when that's happening to you like 10 20 30 40 50 times a day like it does get really tiring just being human you obviously like the negative stuff you fixate on more than the positive which is really hard to try and change your mindset of because it's like it's hard not to get affected by it long term but I suppose that just means that like I have to do more self-care stuff on my end like go to therapy and like you know take breaks and like not be so dependent on reading every single comment but it is tiring and unfortunately at the moment I think the way the internet is kind of structured and the way that people kind of perceive like oh well that's just their opinion we're not really at the stage of the internet yet where there's like actual safety in place for people and I hope that there'll be more ways to kind of circumnavigate that kind of negativity that's online because I think it affects a lot of people Mm. Um, and I think the idea of people saying well I'll like just get over it just focus on positive comments isn't really helpful because there's a lot of people online who are really struggling with like harassment whether they're someone like me who, in the, who has a platform and speaks about a lot of stuff or whether it's, like, you know, an 11-year-old kid who's being bullied by her schoolmate. Like, you know, there's a lot of ways on the internet that, unfortunately, really nasty stuff can happen. And, yeah, it does affect me, but is kind of part and parcel now of what I do, I guess. You said earlier that your partner is involved with your Instagram and and is a very big supporter of your page. What is his reaction and also your other loved ones' reactions when they do see you getting horrible comments from, like, you know, saying you're fat and ugly to then, like, for you to go kill yourself? Do you end up having to reassure them and say, you know, I'm fine? Or what ends up happening with that? My family kind of is, like, one of those, like, families that comes from, like, a tough love kind of focus on the positive kind of person. Like, my mum a business owner she's super independent like she's obviously with my dad my dad's a bit more of the sensitive one so I think my dad when he hears the comments gets a little bit more affected than my mum my mum's kind of just like oh they're, they're idiots like don't listen to them like she's she's very much about like not feeding into negativity my partner like really hears me out and talks to me about it but he's also someone who like like I said he's like much more of a positive frame of mind so he likes to try and like reinforce the positive as much as possible I think they're mostly used to it they don't really talk to me about it as much as like we used to talk about it because it's kind of just like a daily part of my life now but I guess like overall it's something that probably does bother them but they are much more focused on like the positive I think because they're not the ones that the hate's being told about. Like, they're much more focused. Like, they get more excited about reading the positive comments, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's good. 
And something very positive that's happening later this year is your Body Reconnect tour in the States yeah. with um, the body image therapist, Ashley. How did this all come about? So me and Ash have kind of known each other for a few years. We've connected kind of, sort of through a work connection, but also like we've been friends online for a long time and we've met up a few times at different events. To be honest, Ashley was planning on doing like some sort of US tour this year because she's been doing a lot of, she's an art therapist, so she's been doing a lot of work around embodiment and like art therapy and like going around Australia and doing some workshops. And she was thinking about going and I just was on the phone to her and I was like, I really wish I could go. Like, I'm so jealous. I can't believe you're going. And she was like, well, why don't you come? But I was kind of like, oh, that's crazy. And like, didn't really think about it. But then like, we kept talking and like, after a couple of hours, I just kind of decided I was going to tag along. <laughs> um, so yeah, we kind of worked together. She does a lot of like art therapy. She's obviously um, a therapist in her own practice and does art therapy and a whole bunch of other cool stuff and works a lot around like body image and body acceptance. And I kind of am like the other side of the coin. So I do that similar stuff to her, but I'm not a professional. I do it much more of like a peer community aspect. So he thought it could be really interesting to do a workshop because normally you do one or the other, right? Like you meet up with someone who's like a community influencer or like does peer support and you kind of do a workshop or like a meet and greet with them. Or on the opposite side, you do like a professional workshop by someone who's like qualified as a therapist or as a dietitian or something like that. So we thought it'd be really cool to kind of like join together and like take our little tour on the road to do a five-hour tour. So we're hitting seven cities this October in the US and we're really, really looking to meeting people in real life. Yes, it sounds very exciting. And so for the listeners that are in the States or will be in the States in October, where can they find more information about the Body Reconnect Tour? So you can follow me on Instagram. It's already the links in my bio or you can go to www.bodyreconnecttour.com. Um, all the ticket details, locations, and like any questions you have are on that site. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for letting me talk to you. Sorry, I fangirled a few times. <laughs> I was, <laughs> no, I knew you. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Very so sweet. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, that's good to hear. Yes, thank you so much for chatting to me for the Nasty Woman Club. And yes, I cannot wait to share your story and share um, your photo series and also your fat activism to the listeners of the Nasty Woman Club. That was one of my favorite body positive warriors, Danny Adriana. Make sure you check her out on Instagram at I am Danny Adriana. And also while you're on Instagram, make sure you head on over to the Nasty Woman Club podcast Instagram page and also the Facebook page. And wherever you're listening to this week's podcast, make sure you hit subscribe and follow.